This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Holy hell, that was a fun weekend. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Luganbill. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, so I don't know if this had any effect on anything. Um, I'm sure it's everybody has heard now or experienced it, but Facebook and Instagram was down for like a day. People are freaking out. Um, seems to be up and running. So I don't know what kind of ripple effect, if any, that's going to have on like social media, like the algorithms, like getting this podcast out or any of that stuff. So just do me a favor if you would. And, uh, I'll, you know, when this is up and live, I'll, I'll post it and just share it, like it, comment, whatever, just to, I don't know. I just want to hack back into the, the algorithm, if you will. And then uh, also wherever you are listening to this, whatever podcast platform, if you would follow it and rate it where possible, I would also appreciate that very much. Uh, speaking of algorithms, it'll uh, more people. It helps more people find the show, and uh, more people is good. I can get more guests and more content, and it's a win-win-win-win-win for everybody. All right. Before I get started, though, I want to uh, give a quick shout out. Um, so last year, when uh, the deer that I shot, I almost had to get a tracking dog because I couldn't find it. Did end up finding it, and uh, my neighbor was gracious enough. First time I ever met him, <laughs> was gracious enough to go uh, get his his like uh, UTV, and he had a winch on it and a drop bucket. It was sweet. He drove it right, you know, winched it up in the thing. We drove it back to my house, which is only like you know not even a quarter mile away, but dude. That's the way to go. That was so nice. Well, anyways, I'm at my uh, I'm at my house getting back, or actually, I'm just getting ready to take off in the second half adventure on Sunday, which I'll get to here in a in a little bit. And this truck pulls in the driveway, and my neighbor gets out, so I'm shooting the shit with him, and he comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, I've been listening to your podcast," and he's like, "I really enjoy it. the recap and rants are great and blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, Oh, cool, dude. Thanks. He's like, so I just started a company and he's like, literally like it just got off the ground. The website just went live like a couple days ago. Um, so again on the whole algorithm thing, um, if you would, I would appreciate you guys giving this guy some help. So go check out his website. It is called accurate archery.com. Uh, so go there. 
start, you know, give the dude, Google it a few hundred times and just, uh, you know, just help him out. I, I know what it's like starting out fresh and trying to, you know, get your foot in the door and get to where you can be seen and heard by by strangers, if you will. So if we can kind of all just, you know, he's not paying me to do this. This is just, just a favor to because I know what it's like, and uh, he's a neighbor. He helped me out, so I want to help him out. But anyway, it's called Accurate Archery, and what he has is um, it's this thing that attaches to your bow. If you're a single sight uh, shooter or adjustable sight shooter, basically it's like um, it attaches to, I think, your fallaway rest. Uh, I think that's what he said, or somewhere right in that area. Anyways, it, it's basically a light and lights up your you know, your single pin. So I know like I have lighted, um, pins, but I have a multiple pin thing. And, uh, this is for the, um, single pin shooter. So if you're in your, anybody who's ever shot out of like a blind knows, especially early in the morning, late at night, it gets pretty dark in there and you can't, there's not enough light to light up the fiber optics in your pin. It's still legal. I mean, it's still legal light outside, but you can't really see your pins very well. So that's why they have the lighted sights. Um, so anyways, this it was pretty cool little, um, piece of equipment. He was going to give me one. But I'm like, I have a multiple. I don't want to take one of your things. I can't even use it. Um, so, but I did say, yeah, I'll give you a shout. So accuratearchery.com. Go give him some love and uh, try to help him out. Local business, local small business. I and mean, it doesn't get much more local than that for me. He's like right down the street. So I'll probably pimp him out for the next few episodes or so. Try to, I don't know. I just, I want to help him out just because he's a nice guy and uh, it's a good product. I'm sure somebody who shoots, if you're a single pin shooter, look into it. Might might help you out if you're if you're hunting out of blinds and stuff like that. So, alrighty, let's get on with the show. This week's weekend recap and rant. So, Saturday, we uh, nobody was able to find a good, nobody had a good scout for geese. For Saturday morning. So we were just about ready to just not do any of it. Well, I kind of wanted to do a duck hunt. Just go get a wood duck. Because I, you know, haven't done my annual wood duck soup or stew. Depends on how it turns out. If it reduces down to stew or it's more soupy. But (laughs) it starts off with a pot of water and a whole wood duck. Um, And I I just love doing it. It It turns out into a great a great soup um if i do it maybe i'll try to pay more attention to what i put in it and log it film it whatever and i can kind of release that as a recipe because it's very good um but anyways he didn't really want to do that and nobody had a good duck field he's almost had me talked into just going fishing on saturday and then uh our friend mike uh says that this landowner that we have permission on there's a bunch of geese flying over his fields. So we're like, well, if he's got traffic, you know, and it looks like it might be, could be, maybe, a migration day, let's just try that. And, of course, Austin's like, yeah, I could be talking to that. So that's all we needed to be like, all right, well, let's do that. So wake up, zero dark 30, get everything loaded up, um, head out there. Uh, set the set the spread, blah 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 blah, and we hardly see anything. Like it was bad. It, we had a couple flocks. Um, we had one flock look like it was really gonna do it, and then just decided, Dad, just kidding, we're not gonna do it. And so that was frustrating. Um, we stuck it out for a little bit because instead of the north wind, we had a south wind. So great job, weather men. That's not really a great um, migrating wind. So, um, I know we hunted till, I don't remember, 11 o'clock, 10, 11 o'clock. And we're like, all right, that's it. Cut our losses. No shots fired. Um, head back. And, uh, now, now we're going to go fishing. So Joel and I, uh, head, head out, hook up the boat, head out and, uh, proceed to knock the lips off of the smallmouth bass oh my goodness this must be that fall feed bag you hear so much about i mean it was it was just silly 
at times. I mean, it's kind of how you wanted to catch him. I, mean, I was throwing a jig, and uh, I think he threw. No, he didn't throw a jig. Because the interesting thing, we got to the landing. We're pulling up to the landing. We're like, well, how many? There's either going to be a shit ton of boats, or like very few boats. Because it was kind of off and on rainy that day, that morning. And we get there, and it wasn't full, but there was a lot, and it was bass boats. And so we pull them, and we're like, oh, there's a derby out here. I'm like, great. They're going to be sort of lipping all our fish. So uh, they were just loading up their boats. So, you know, we go and talk to them. Sure enough, there's a little derby out there. And we're like, well, might as well stick around and watch the weigh in, see what people did. Now, the interesting thing here is in Minnesota, the smallmouth bass season um, is closed for keeping them, anyways. You can still catch and release, catch and release fish for them. Um, you just can't keep any. So, those, this was going to be a largemouth only derby. Which, for this particular body of water, can be can be a challenge sometime, sometimes. And in talking to some of the anglers, it's like, oh my god, we caught so many smallmouth today. It was ridiculous, but we like had to stay focused. Like this <laughs> was a green bass event. Um, I think winning bag was like 19 and change. They actually had a really nice bag, um, but yeah, they had. They everybody said they caught a, a shit ton of smallmouth, so we weren't quite sure how we were gonna do, you know, following on the heels of of these tournament guys. But it was a small tournament; I think there was like five or six boats. It didn't matter. I mean, if it if if, if it slowed it down, good God, what was it like <laughs> before? Because holy crap, I mean, we caught multiple, multiple, multiple fish on each spot that we tried multiple doubles and multiple almost doubles. Um, it's like the moment, you know, Joel throws one back, I set the hook and, you know, vice versa, stuff like that. Um, but he made the decision not through a jiggle. He just went to like almost just a, just the plastic. I think he was throwing like on Texas rig, like a flipping kind of a setup. And his thought process was like, well, the guy said they were using jigs. So he's like, well, let's, throw something they haven't seen i was i was too lazy so i was just gonna throw a jig and i caught fish now joel's catching more fish than i was i broke off two of my jigs and then just kind of in the process i went down to a more finesse jig less skirt material and my bites definitely went up from that so they didn't want quite that bulky of a profile and I think that's why Joel is getting more bites with the, just the plastic. But anyway, I mean, it, it wasn't so lopsided that it was absurd. I was still getting bites, but I definitely got more bites when I kind of, I wouldn't even really say downside, because I was throwing the same weight of jig. It was just it had less skirt material on it. So I got some on crankbaits. Um, we found, we stumbled upon a couple new spots. And that was thanks to talking to this kayak musky angler that was out there. He's like, man, you can't keep these smallmouth off my topwater baits anytime you get next to these clean weed lines. So we took that bit of advice and we we're fishing this spot. And uh, so I throw on a whopper plopper and I caught a couple small ones. And then Joel was catching some on, on uh, a crankbait and he caught a couple decent ones. And so then I just started throwing the jig and it was getting better ones on the jig. And this one little patch was just shit stacked with smallmouth. I mean, when, when you're getting bit almost every cast, <laughs> it's just it's just so fun. Uh, there was another stretch where there there's like this seawall, and you could see them breaking. Like they're just chasing minnows or something like that. And so we go over there and we catch a bunch of fish over there. Uh, it was it was nuts. It was so so much fun. What what a turnaround of like emotions from a totally horseshit morning of goose hunting to just like epic smallmouth bass fishing is so fun. I think we only caught one largemouth. So we're like, well, you know, had we had not gone goose hunting and we just showed up at the ramp, there's a fighting chance. So it was just, it wasn't like a club tournament or anything like that. It was just a little cash thing. I'm like, chances are we probably would have joined that, but we only caught the one largemouth. Now, with that said, we would have not been you know we would abandon the more stereotypical um smallmouth 
waters and we would have tried to catch largemouth whether that worked for us i'm sure it would have just padded the pot a little bit but it would have been fun anyways um so that was you know we we fished till dark i called it a day because we obviously had been up super early for the goose hunt and uh so the on our way out of our field we kind of we were gonna go get uh some lunch somewhere but we're kind of like scouted our way out and we see this bunch of these geese flying up over the highway and then they go down right away and we kind of circle and we don't see where they went we look on the map like oh there's a bunch of water over there so they must be going they must have just been feeding over there so we kind of circle where they're feeding there's a huge cut bean field um and so obviously not seeing them in the field we weren't quite sure which field they were we're using our best guesstimate but we're pretty sure we had the the field that they were in um and so you know thanks to onyx we were able to track down the owners and went and asked them and they were super nice and gave us permission right away it was quite refreshing (laughs) from from all the rejections i've been getting this year when it comes to uh permission but yeah so we're like well there's our field for tomorrow unless somebody finds something better and so yeah we get we get out there and we set up um and it's a slow morning. It just doesn't seem like much is moving. Um, we're like, man, maybe they weren't in this, you know, a couple. I don't know. It's just like lower ceiling or things just weren't moving right away. It was kind of, it was kind of crazy. And then so we're, you know, I don't know, getting towards mid morning here. Nothing's really happening. We're all kind of down on our on our luck. And about the time, you know, the the <laughs> one of the downsides of social media. Is you know you're thinking, well, I wonder if anybody else is doing any good. So then you open up Snapchat or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'm not really seeing any posts. I don't, you know, misery loves company. You're thinking, well, maybe everybody's struggling. Maybe it's just one of those days. And then you start seeing piles and stacks, and oh, this five man limit. Oh, three man limit. You're like, ah, oh, crap. It's just us. We suck. <laughs> uh, but then we actually started seeing some birds, um, and pretty sure we had some migrators i mean not pretty sure like there's the first time there was a pair i'm like oh those are migrators for sure because they're way up there and uh we we broke them down we got them to turn and there was a single with it um but just man just it come down looking so good and then just not they just not finish um it was crazy i'm trying to think of how this went down there's two or three that came in, but we're able to, I think we shot a, a pair or I think maybe it was three. I don't remember, but, um, they finally, we finally got some shooting and we're like, holy crap. And the ones that were working, like kept trying to get behind us it was weird. We were doing an edge hide with the perfect setup for an edge hide. Nice tall grass and everything, you know, it's, it's like, this is great. Our, our hide is not going to be the issue today. And, you know, brushed the blinds in really good. Like, they totally disappeared. But these birds, another reason I think we had more mics than, than we originally thought we were seeing is because they were really keen in on the sound. You know, and as they'd get close and they're right over top of you, you kind of want to be back off on the call. You don't want them to, like, pinpoint you. But as soon as you laid off that call a little bit, they started losing interest. And then you have to scream at them to turn them around. And it's just, it was kind of crazy. But the ones that really kind of worked wanted to get they like wanted to sit down right on top of us, or almost right behind us, which behind us nothing but tall grass like a swamp. Um, so it was it was kind of bizarre. And so towards you know we only had like another I don't know half hour hour that that people could hunt. Some people had to leave, and so we're like maybe we should just do a grass hide out in the middle. You know I mean if they try to get behind you know we can move our move decoys we can move blinds and, and where they're trying to get and i don't know it's worth a shot i mean nothing's gonna hurt you know and at that point we hadn't shot anything so we move out in the field and again we had some birds trying to get behind us but we're able to shoot <clears throat> and we knocked those two or three down whatever it was and um they're like well i mean we got some but they were still trying to get behind us so instead of moving the blinds we moved some decoys out and in front of more in front of us and 
it was weird. Like they really, again, they were just keen on that sound. We finally just had to just, we're just like, well, I guess we got to risk like them picking us out from our calls because we just can't lay off them on these birds. They just want to be screamed at today. Um, so then this other group comes down and uh, worked them up a little bit. And then they left, went over to the water, watched them go down. And then I don't know what, 20 minutes later, some birds left. They started leaving that roost or that loaf and flying around. And we got another group to, to come in. Again, they looked like they were trying to get kind of down behind us. Um, but, you know, we called the shot and were able to bring down three more, I believe it was. Um, or it might have been a four-pack. I don't remember. No, yeah, because one got away. I think it was a four-pack. One one got away. Um, my, the one I was shooting at, I was on the far left. The one I was shooting at, like, took three shells. Finally, that thing, I was like, God, I can't believe I missed that thing. And then all of a sudden it does the old wobble, wobble, fall in the tall grass. We had to go search for that one. We did find it. Um, one of those, like, lung or heart shot kind of deals takes them a little bit they're dead they just don't know it yet kind of a deal uh but one of the other ones that got shot by golly had a little blingy bling bling on his leg yes sir a little band and of course you use well there's a little bit of drama surrounding who shot it who shot what but whatever um i know i didn't shoot that bird so however that shook out my name wasn't going to be in the hat um i think we just like well whatever dude you can have it and uh, what's cool, so the cool thing about bands t- in today's world, and you young kids don't know how good you have it, um, get off my lawn. They, you can just type it in the old Google box, and uh, you get the information back right away. Before you had to like call the number, and then they'd send you an email, or they'd send you an actual like piece of paper in the mail, and you'd finally get the, the information back. It's like boom, instant. You know, Austin typed in the in the info, and he's like, oh, it's a female. Banded in Iowa in 2019, I think he said. So I was like, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's that's what I like about bands is like just getting a little snapshot of of, of these birds, you know, where they've been and, and stuff like that. It's just that stuff is super neat. So definitely a mag migrator, and uh, anytime you can get a band, pretty special. And the fact that we only shot six birds all day. And one of them happens to be a band. That's pretty lucky ratio. So that was that was fun. So Joel had stuff too. So he wasn't gonna be able to go fishing, and I'd kind of been jonesing to do some more of this like hang and hunt, public land style, uh, bow hunting. And I'd I'd found this land last year, scoping around on Onyx, and so I was checking again this year, and it was still there, and it's a. Uh, um, tax forfeited land except they didn't say tax forfeited anymore it was like dnr bureau real estate tax some blah 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 blah. anyways so i wasn't quite sure so i i emailed the ceo earlier in the week and then he got back to me and he's like yep it's got dnr on it you're good to go i'm like sweet so uh, i didn't know when i was going to do it but the wind was like perfect for me to to sneak in there and set up and kind of you know i want to do some like my original plan was like, I'm just barely going to go in. I'm going to access it via the river. And, you know, because the part of the land actually does come up to a road to the northwest. We had a, like a northwest wind, so that would have been a pretty shitty wind to hunt from. But coming from the river, it's perfect. I can come in right from the south. My scent should be an issue. And I just wanted to get barely in there. So in my binoculars, I kind of watch and see if there's anything better. Well, satellite maps, you can't really see, you know, what kind of trees they were. I'm like, I think these are oaks. I'm not quite sure. Um, so I finally get in there. I mean, it's a river. I knew I knew the trees right on the shoreline were going to be like maples, which they were. And I was hoping there was going to be like an old oak ridge back in there. Well, when I finally get there, it was not oak. It's their pines. And then there was a little marshy area in the middle you can see in the map. And that's where I saw, like, the deer trails and stuff. So I was going to set up on, on kind of one of those. So I ended up going in farther than I wanted because it was just the brush was so thick. There was nothing on the edge to set up on. It would have done me zero good. I wouldn't have been able to see anything. So I had to push in a little further. I got the edge, the south edge of that that swampy area. And that, the swamp's not like a cattail swamp. It's a... Uh, 
man, I don't even what you call it, alder thicket or something like that. Like there was bushes and, and it was, you could tell it was wet or at least wet on like wet years and super dry right now. There's probably hardly any water in there at all. So I picked a tree. Um, there was like some poplars in there and I found one that was, you know, thick enough to hang a stand on that gave me some visibility over that swamp so I could kind of do some glassing. Um, not, I mean, if I was going to shoot something, it was going to have to be pretty much right underneath my stand. Like I didn't have very many shooting windows at all, but I just kept telling myself, well, this is kind of a overconnaissance mission anyways. The cool thing though, is I brought the Ranger bass boat up to get to this particular spot. And so this is the same body of water that we fished on Saturday so if you think I was going to have a boat on that body of water and not catch a few more of those smallmouth, you are out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> so, yeah, I put on my stand and my climbing, my whole little, like, mobile hunting thing I'm trying to figure out here. And I had that all rigged up, and I, my bow and everything's in the bass boat. And I'm heading out. I don't know how many times people have used a, a bass boat to to go deer hunting but uh i bet i'm in the minority for sure and then so yeah i went and i caught a few fish uh posted the snapchat um check a couple so now it's starting again it's like 3 30 it's like oh, four o'clock i'm like shit i gotta get going i got i gotta get set up i don't know what i'm where i'm going and i mean i know where i'm going but i don't know what the land looks like i'm like oh crap so whatever, put the rods down and start going. But then there was those two sneaky spots that Joel and I found the day before. I'm like, ah, I'll just make a couple casts, see if the fish are still here. Just if maybe there's one, maybe they were just chasing bait and they're not always here, you know. And I, I was starting with the crankbait and it wasn't really working for me, so I went back to the jig through that and sure enough, boom, 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 caught a few of them right away. I'm like, all right, they're still here. Good enough. Like now I now I actually do have to go. Like I have run out of any sort of cushion of time whatsoever i gotta get going i'm more familiar with this section of the river i know it gets shallow in spots so it's not like i can run wide open so i was kind of just going at a fast idle you know i didn't want to wreck anything and um so got there and now we're back to where i'm like oh there's nowhere to set up in here and i kind of bust into the trees a little bit getting into the pines i'm like i'm like this Get to the edge of the swamp, set up in there, and then, yeah, so I finally get set up, and uh, I just, because there's no oaks here, these are the games that we play with ourselves, like hunting, right? It's like, already I'm like, ah, oh, this spot sucks, like, this is going to be, this was a bust, this was stupid, this isn't a good spot, and um, then as the day goes on, um, about an hour before sunset or last light, I can hear some things rustling around and moving around. And at one point in time, I heard um, one was snorting. Some, you know, doing the old, they are blowing, I guess you'd call it. Like something spooked him, something startled him. And it definitely wasn't me because it was all the way to the north across the across the swamp. So there's zero chance my scent made it there in a northwest wind. So I don't know. I don't know who he was blowing, so I'm like, oh, that could be good. Maybe somebody's hunting in the north, and they're going to push him my way. So I'm like, all right, I'm starting to get a little more little, little, little more hope here. And then uh, then I actually heard I heard some grunting, believe it or not. And I was like, really? And so I made some mouth grunts back at it, and nothing happened. Um, then it got quiet for a while. Just some little woodland, like, mice creatures rustling around sound like moose going through the woods you're like how the hell did that little thing make that much noise <laughs> and then um then we're get it's it's i got about a half hour of light left and i hear something moving to my left and i look over there and then i see i see a doe and she by the time i see her she starts blowing now she's blowing at me I don't think she can smell me actively, my sense, but when I was looking for the tree that I ultimately was going to set up in, I kind of wandered down that way and then didn't find anything and came back. So I think she cut my trail as she was coming out. And it's probably, I'm guessing 
pretty out of the norm for her to smell a human in this chunk of wood. So I think that's what set her off. Like she was blowing and snorting and stomping, but she never once looked my direction. Um, I didn't have a shot. She was in some thick shit. She was definitely not close enough. If no, if I'd had an open lane, she was well within range. She was probably 25 yards, I suppose, maybe 30 tops. Um, but she got to the point where she didn't like it and she jumped into the, um, jumped into the woods or jumped into the, the swamp rather. And then I could really see how tall that shit was. Cause I could barely see her head sticking up as she was walking through that swamp. It was crazy. And so I stuck it out. I thought I heard some, another deer coming. Um, if it was, it, it, it held up in the woods or went in different directions. I never ended up seeing anything again started i could hear some stuff moving up to the north of me too like in the swamp so couldn't just couldn't see um so i do think there's probably some bucks back there hiding in there they're definitely using that area as a bedding area um because there's some ag fields just to the north where i was at so it could be a good spot um not sure i'll hunt it again just because i don't know I mean, I'll have to look. I'll have to revisit it, just because there's no shooting lanes. I, mean, I don't. I don't know where I would set up where I'm actually gonna have a shot at something. That's my only, the only issue. Um, but maybe I need to just check out some other spots. But I do like that style of just hanging hunt. You know, finding a, doing some satellite scouting kind of a thing, looking at maps and like, okay, I'm gonna go in here and set this up. Now, I mean, I know like the proper way to do it is you find these things and then the off season you go and you scope them out you know like uh, december february actually go in there and see where the beds are and pick your tree that you're going to hunt on whatever wind you know not completely blind like the way i did it but i don't know it's it's still pretty fun what i will say is that's the third time i've sat now for deer this season and i've seen deer all three times that's pretty good for me <laughs> so so I'm liking that. I mean, even if you don't shoot anything, as long as you see something, it always just keeps you a little bit more interested. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was pretty fun. I would have loved to have shot a deer and then add that to the day's work. Um, so I load everything up, head back, get in the boat. You know, it's dark now. Put the lights on, the nav lights, and go back to landing. And I just couldn't resist. I had to see if I could catch one more bass, even at night. So I threw the topwater on and uh, didn't get any hits on the topwater. I was actually pretty surprised. Um, a couple of the spots I thought, oh, yeah, they'll crush here. That spot that was, where they were chasing bait the day or the, earlier that day, no, or uh, Saturday, I mean, nope, nothing there. And then uh, so hit another spot where I knew they were loaded at and uh I just used a jig at night and uh I was able to able to stick one. So got one more in the boat, took a nice nighttime picture with it. Uh that was a lot of fun. So I was like, all right, time to go home. So packed everything up, put the boat on the trailer, headed home. It was just what a I mean, you wanna talk about a full scale outdoors weekend, this was it. <laughs> Goose hunting and fishing then goose hunting, getting a band, then going fishing, a hanging hunt, deer hunt. God, I would have loved to have added a a, a deer to that to that day, but man, I'm not I'm not complaining at all. Uh, that just would have put it on a whole different epic level. That would have been so much fun. But I'm pretty happy the way Sunday panned out for sure. And we caught so many fish on Saturday. God dang it, that was fun. <sighs> One little like eagle stroke that was that was cool. Um, I will say, is when we were fishing. Joel and I were fishing on Saturday. Where there was, uh, we were coming back to spot and there was another boat on, and they were like on it for, like for forever. A couple young kids in a boat, and we kind of talked to them as as they were fishing. Um, we we gave them like a wide berth. We're like, ah, oh, let's just let them have that spot. So we moved on. And then later at the landing, we we're talking to them. Joel was talking to him, I should say. And he's like, well, how'd you do in this box? He's like, oh, we caught a few little ones. It was all right. 
that, that pattern just isn't really hasn't really set up yet. It's a little early in the fall for that pattern yet. You know, we usually do really good here, but you know, we caught some, but just some little ones. And Joel and I are like, um, we didn't say this out loud, but we're like, um, bro, we've been pounding fish on that spot for a month now. So yeah, it's not too early. <laughs> I don't know what they're throwing, but they were not throwing. We were doing, I think they're throwing Ned rigs and, um, more finessey stuff. And meanwhile, I'm throwing three, eight ounce jigs and he's throwing big plastics and we're cranking and kind of power fishing for them. Um, you, you did not need to pick up the fairy wand for these fish at all. It was, a that was a ton of fun. It's always nice. So that's what I said, a little ego stroke, you know, when, when you're catching fish and you talk to somebody else, that's not, you know, kind of like the goose hunters, the successful goose hunters, when we can't shoot shit and they're like, Oh, you limited out. That's great. That's thanks for pointing out how bad I suck. But <laughs> anyways, there's your, there's your recap. Uh, it was a lot to recap. It was a, just a ton of fun and I'm just jacked up for it. But I got to tell you, I'm getting more and more into this hang and hunt kind of stuff. And, It'd be super cool, I and mean, I'm sure I can find some, you know, private land to hunt on. And um, I mean, I got my own land. I know there's some little ones back there, so I'm not really too keen on going back there. Now, we get mid October, late October, the pre rut starts kicking in. If I haven't tagged a buck yet by then, I'll be hunting my land more and more because it now we start. They really use my land is like a travel corridor and i start you know the buck sightings go up substantially the last two weeks of, of october but i like this saying and hunt stuff it's kind of fun so it's, it's a little bit of like rolling the dice you know there's a lot of luck but it just i i can't let go of the, like the what if you know like if i can get it done which that saying we got her done today it's just getting really cliche but anyways if i can get it done on a public land spot that I just picked out looking at maps and choosing the right wind and sneaking in there and do it like that's, I would feel pretty goddamn accomplished if I could pull that off. So it might be a little beyond my current deer hunting skill set, but you know what? Only way to learn that's to do it. So we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the season. But that's your recap for my rant. Uh, I was listening to a podcast today, and I was going to, it was a hunting podcast, and and then they, they've said similar things before that set me off, and I was going to just put them on blast. I was going to name the podcast and the, the whole works. I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. That's poor form. Um, but I am going to speak on what they, the thing that, like, triggers me. Like I said, they're repeat offenders. They've done it multiple times. But as waterfall hunters, they often talk about, and primarily goose hunters, some people might, or some people who listen to this podcast are probably going to put two and two together and figure it out. But whatever, it needs to be said, anyways. They do not talk very favorably about eating ducks and geese. Like. Like bad. Like they're bad about it. I was like, you're goose hunters like in fact one of y'all has an outfitter a pretty big one um it's just not the message you should be sending to people because here's the main thing and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a lot of hunters under the bus with this one stop repeating bullshit that you've heard and you don't know yourself you've just heard it over and over and over again the, a great example of that, as I saw a post on Facebook today, someone said, oh, I shot some wood ducks and I shot a merganser. And I've always heard they taste like shit, but I decided to try it for myself. He's like, they weren't bad. Um, you know, they did this and they did that to it. And he's like, they're actually pretty good. And so I've, you know, that's one of those things. No, I've eaten merganser and I'm not... If I had a wood duck breast and a, merganser, and a hooded merganser breast side by side, I would rather eat the wood duck breast for sure but with that said they do not the mergansers do not have the i should say they don't deserve the reputation that they have and i'm guessing people listening right now and i know you've heard other people say all oh, those are fish ducks they're they're terrible 
How many of you, and be honest with yourself right now as you're listening to this, how many of you have actually tried Umerganser? If you haven't tried it, and you find yourself about to say they taste like shit, don't say that. Because you actually don't know until you try it. So that that's problem number one. Now that's not what these the guys in the podcast are saying. But when they continue to badmouth the table quality of waterfowl, they're doing a huge disservice to the sport and the industry and the optics of a non-hunter that looks back. Because now they're just going to be like, well, why are you killing them then? You know, well, we turn them into goose sticks, which are good. And we turn them into goose jerky, which is good. In fact, I think I think geese make some of the best jerky out there. They're phenomenal jerky. Um, but, but they're good. And in, the, in as much as they've even said, you know, especially snow geese, oh, I'm like, are, you got to be out of your goddamn mind. You're going to put honkers and the same thing with wood ducks and mergansers on a plate. If you have a, a Canada goose breast and a snow goose breast on a plate, personally, I think they both taste good. But I am for sure going for that snow goose first before I eat that honker. Snow geese are great. They get a bad rep, and I think it's, one, because people just repeat stupid shit. No, probably didn't know how to cook it, whatever. Two, there's a, a saying, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like commonality breeds um, contempt. Yeah, commonality, commonality breeds contempt. And what that means is when something is so abundant to the point where they're actually a problem, like snow geese are, they're overpopulated, which is why we have a spring season for them, they lose value on the surface to people. Oh, they're just vermin, sky carp, and then all these derogatory terms now kind of start springing up. And that kind of catches on, and then you start wasting a great resource. I mean, they're so good. Like, I would love to challenge these people. One of the reasons I almost, like, called them out by name is because I would I would love to have this conversation with them. In fact, I would love to cook for them because people... I listen. The people who listen to this podcast. No, I will make like snow goose tacos or goose tacos, whatever, and they are phenomenal. Super easy to do. It's super quick to make, and they're so good. I have yet to have a single person try them, and not, not just oh these are okay. Not just oh they like it. No, they rave about it. Like it is, it is legitimately delicious. And these are snow geese. These are the sky carp. These are the whatever. And so I would love to challenge these people. But here's the other thing you face. is Sometimes people just don't like to admit when they're wrong. So I thought, okay, what would be fun to do would be have a sirloin, a beef sirloin, prepare it the exact same way, tell them it's snow goose, and wait for the reaction of, ugh, Oh, that's that's gross. I don't like that. And then be like, bro, that was beef. That's just a beef fajita you just ate, and you didn't like it. Because just some people. I mean, maybe it wouldn't be like that, but I just kind of, I just kind of get that feeling that they're so stuck in their ways that that's kind of the reaction you're gonna get. Man, I could be wrong. Because so far, I've had a couple people that were pretty reluctant. And I just stayed on them. And I'm like, listen, I don't, just try it. You don't have to like it, but we'll see. And then I make it for them. And they're like, holy crap, that's actually pretty good. It is pretty good. It's very good. And it's super, super easy. So for those of you who don't know, I'm going to run down the recipe really quick. Because I, I have had, like, this is easily the most asked question I get when people message me DM me or whatever when it comes to eating wild game I get what's that what's your goose taco recipe alright it is super easy you, you can skip some of these steps and by some of these steps I mean just don't chop fresh garlic you don't have to do that but I like doing that 
I think it tastes great because I love garlic. But anyway, so I'll, I'll give you the way I do it. Start with cutting your goose breasts with the grain of the meat. It's called along the bias. About a quarter inch thick. Little fajita strips, right? And you're going to lay those out on a plate. You're going to take a taco seasoning packet and you're just going to lightly season, take some of that and sprinkle it on the meat. And you're going to have a pan going. There's, this is how I like to do it. You can skip the onion. I'm going to put onions in here, but you can if you don't like onions or whatever, you can skip this part. You don't have to do it. I just prefer it. I like the flavor profile, the sweetness you get with it because I really caramelized. I really cook my... This is the only thing that takes a little bit of time as I really cook my onions down. So I'll, I'll finally chop some onions, get a like quarter stick of butter in a pan, and I'm going to saute these onions down and I'm going to get them and once they get like translucent it's not quite caramelizing yet but translucent then I'll throw the freshly chopped garlic in there a couple cloves and um then wait till like caramelize so that'll that'll now like start to cook the the garlic down will infuse in with the butter and the, and the onions the onions will caramelize will give a nice little sweetness to it then Oh, shit, I fucked it up. All right, well, anyways, you don't have to do it in this order. But what I generally do is I will cook the meat first before I do the onions. So you'll season that meat, get your pan going. You don't need it hot. Put it on, like, medium-low heat because these things are going to cook like that super fast. So you're going to put it, you got them laid out on a plate, you got them seasoned on the one side, throw them in the pan, season the other side. While that side's cooking, season the other side. You're giving them like 30 seconds each side. So 30 seconds, flip them over, let those cook 30 seconds, have a bowl there ready, take all the meat off, set that aside, and let that meat rest. Then go on to cooking your onions down with the garlic. Once the onions are cooked down, once you give them that caramelized that you like, go ahead and like throw a quarter cup of water in the pan, Add the rest of the taco seasoning packet, mix it up really good, and then just you're going to work that down until you get the right consistency, like the little taco gravy that you got in there. Once you get the consistency that, that you like, it's kind of thick, kill the heat, throw your meat back in, stir it around, toss it up. Now you're just coating it in all the sauce. You don't want to cook the geese anymore. You're done. That's it. Have all your taco fixings on the counter ready to rock and roll, the cheese, lettuce whatever you might like green pe- i mean whatever and so i mean if you want like full-on fajitas if you like bell peppers which i don't you know throw those in before you throw the meat back in you know go ahead and cook those up um, but whatever you just have all your fixings there on the counter ready to go sour cream you know i like to i'll mix like some mexican rice and maybe some refried beans you know you can go as crazy as you want um but that's basically it. And you whip those things together, and they're freaking phenomenal. I'm telling you. It, it's it's amazing. So when I hear shit like, oh, man, I don't know how, what do you do with all those geese? How, how do you, I mean, you just can't eat this. Those things are just gross. You can't just eat the goose breast. You got to turn them into sticks or something. It's like, what are you guys doing? And you have a a, a, a big waterfall podcast, and, you, and you're just spreading that garbage. I, it, ah. <sighs> it's it's a pet peeve of mine. I just don't like it. I mean, I just don't understand. Like, have a little bit more respect for the resource and learn how to cook it. I mean, hell, I've had enough, like, slow-cooked goose breast in a crock pot with barbecue sauce, and you just make sandwiches, barbecue, you know, shredded goose breast barbecue sandwiches. are They're great. It doesn't get any easier than that. Set and forget it. I mean... It's so good. Then you get into the braised goose legs. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Now, that is a little bit more involved, but totally worth it. Oh, man, does that ever taste good. You make some gravy out of it. Anyways, so there's there's my rant. Shit bothers me. But anyways... Thanks, everybody, again, for listening. Don't forget to go out and give my neighbor some love, accuratearchery.com. I'm not sure if he has a Facebook or anything like that, um, but it is, it is uh, hold on, let me look here. It's Accurate Archery. 
uh, yeah, dot com. It says accurate like hyphen archery. I don't know if that's how it is on the website or not, but I'm sure you'll find it. Like I said, go ahead and Google it. Or you can accurate.archery66 at gmail.com. You can uh, send him an email, or you can just call him, 651-235-5286. But he's got some videos of it, of the um, the site light on his website there at accuratearchery.com. Go ahead and support small business. They're starting to get off the ground. Um, yeah, just, just help him out. So appreciate each and every one of you for listening. We will have a waterfall Wednesday. Uh, it's, a, it's a solo Nick episode, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I got a pretty Ooh, good I love guest sound for this week, too. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Uh, but this I is think a good one. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. There's going to be there's gonna be ice fishing involved, I'm sure. There's going to be hunting involved, I'm sure, of all sorts. So it should be uh, it's going to be a pretty good episode. Looking forward to it. So everybody don't forget to like share comment get i don't know like i said that ripple facebook instagram debacle anything had to do with that but i appreciate your help so you know what i'm gonna leave you with whatever your passion like what i did this past weekend <laughs> burn that candle at both ends I think it burnt in the middle too. I don't know. I hunted and fished from sunup the way before sunup to sundown and beyond, and it was glorious. So whatever your passion, pursue that some bitch full scale. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.